Please open uh, your copy of God's Word to 1 John chapter 5, looking this morning at verses 18 through 21. Hear God's Word, 1 John 5, beginning at verse 18. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. We know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him who is true. His Son, Jesus Christ, He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. As we think about this passage of Scripture, it reminded me of uh, greetings. Used to be one of the, the greetings I frequently heard was, What's going on? It's not a question, right? If you start answering it, people say, What's going on? You're supposed to go, What's going on? And then we move from there to, What's up? What's up? And then we move from there to, what you know, good. And they always bother me because they're good questions. And I want to say, wait, wait, wait. If it's such a good question. Can we stop and answer that? It's a great question. But we've made it a greeting, and uh, it bothers me. But it, I can't do anything about it. Everybody else is greeting. To me, it's a, it's a great question. And I thought about it a lot when people would ask, what's going on? I said, well... That's a great question. Let me answer. Uh, what's up? That's, Christ is up. Heaven's up. There's so many things up that it's a great question. What you know good? Another great question. It reminds me of this chapter and passage that we just read. What do you know good? Well, I know that I cannot keep on sinning. Oh, that's big. I know that Satan cannot touch me. I am secured from Satan's grip. I have understanding to know what is true and sure. And I get to serve my sovereign God. That's what I know that's good. You see, that is an awesome answer that God has finished this book in 1 John 5 with. I want you to begin to, to see the significance of really knowing what's good. And one of the things that he gives us here is that we are shielded from sin. Four great affirmations. Shielded from sin, secured from Satan, shown what's sure to serve our sovereign God. First of all, let's look at shielded from sin. Verse 18, a reminder of something we already saw in chapter 3. But maybe even more emphatically here, we know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, even this morning, I've talked to several people that are still in bondage to sin, and they can't stop it. But those of us in Christ, we can't keep on sinning. Yes, we sin. Yes, we mess up. But that pattern of sinning the same thing over and over and over has been broken 
by Christ when he gave us forgiveness and gives us his spirit. He gives us power, internal spiritual power to say no to sin and yes to Jesus. And what a blessing that is because we were born into sin. We were born in bondage under sin. And to be released from that is marvelous, wonderful news. And John doesn't just say it's kind of maybe, sort of. He says, no, we know. We know that everyone who's been born of God, if you've been born again, you do not keep on sinning. Remember back chapter 3, uh, verse 6, verse 9. Let me, let me read it to you again just for remembrance. 1 John chapter 3, verse 6 says, No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. These are facts. Verse 9, No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning. That's powerful, wonderful news that should make us pick up a tambourine and shout hallelujah. We've been set free. I don't know if you enjoyed your sins as, as much as I did, mine, but at some point it's like, man, I'm tired of it. I'm just tired of it. I'm tired of it. I don't want to keep messing up, keep messing up, keep messing up. And then for Christ to come into your life and free you and says you don't have to anymore. As a matter of fact, I'm going to put myself in you and you won't practice sin again. The practice of sin is going away. You're still going to mess up, but you're going to be forgiven. You're going to be granted mercy and you're going to grow into a conformity to Christ where sin be, does not define you. But Christ in his righteousness defines you. And what a beauty, what a joy that is. Um, he goes on in verse uh, 18 and says, But he who is born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We're kept. Those who are born of God are kept so that the evil one doesn't touch us. There's a contrast here. The, the word touch protects him, the evil one does not touch it really means to have a grip on. is to grab with one's hand. And the evil one will not grab us and hold us any longer. That's what we're born into is Satan's grip. But the evil one's not going to be able to do that anymore. In Christ, we are held by Christ and not by Satan. And that doesn't mean Satan doesn't have power still. He tempts us. Ephesians 6 is like arrows to, of temptation. He shoots at us. 1 Peter chapter 5 says, He prowls about like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. So Satan's still very active, trying to devour, trying to shoot us down. So with that happening all around us, to have a message that says, But I'm not going to let him grab you. You may be tempted. He may try to bring you down. He may try to devour you, but realize you, he who is in you is greater than he who's in the world. And you're not going to be gripped by Satan ever again. You've, you're done with that, that life in Christ. That's, that's removed from us. Uh, why? Because Christ has crushed Satan. Look at uh, Romans 16, 
Verse 20, uh, the Apostle Paul, in a similar way, is finishing this book and reminds the Roman Christians of this. Romans 16, verse 20 says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Satan will not be stronger than us anymore because Christ is in us. Christ has crushed Satan. Um, imagine being in Satan's grip. It's, it's, it's the fist and we're in it. And then Christ comes along and he pulls back a finger and a finger and a finger and a finger and then he freezes the hand of Satan in that open position. And he does even more. Then he grabs us and he puts us in his hand. And what does he say? John 10. He says, and I've placed you in my hand and no one can snatch you out of my hand. And put you back in Satan's hand. What a wonderful exchange. We've been given Christ for being under the power and in the grip of the evil one. We know, that's good news, that we won't keep sinning in Satan's hands because now we're in Christ's hands. We're not touched. Satan cannot touch us. Um, still comes up. People say, can Christians be possessed by the devil? Let me read 1 John 5.18 again. It's not in the text. Can Christians be possessed by the devil? Verse 18. We know that everyone who is born of God does not keep on sinning. But he who was Christ, born of God, protects him. And the evil one does not touch him. We're not possessed by the devil. The evil one, Satan himself, cannot even touch us. He can't hold us, much less possess us. We're free. What you know, God? I know I am free from the practice of sin, and I am free from the evil one getting a hold on me. I am possessed by Christ. I am born of Christ. I have the life of Christ in me. And it's so beautiful. And it's wonderful. Um, and we need to rejoice in it and remember it. One last verse on this. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Verse 3. 2 Thessalonians 3. Verse 3 says, But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. Christ will guard us against the evil one. We don't have to worry. We don't have to fight the devil. We're guarded by Christ. The devil can't possess us. The devil can't even touch us because Christ is faithful. And he will guard us against the evil one. We can rejoice. We are shielded from sin's domain, shielded from Satan's attempts to Bring us under that dominion again. Third, uh, second, uh, in 1 John 5, now down to verse 19. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. We are secured. The rest of the world, no, they're not. We are secure. We are 
from God. And because we are from God, we're not like the rest of the world. I'll give you another passage. Romans 8, 16 and 17. Romans 8. Verse 16 says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. The Spirit Himself tells us we're not like the rest of the world. We're not being corrupted by the rest of the world. We're not getting worse and worse and worse like the rest of the world. We're becoming more and more aware that we are heirs of all that Christ receives, that He gives to us. We are heirs with Him. We inherit much with Him in glory. We have glory to look forward to. We have an inheritance, inheritance to look forward to. We do not lie in the power of the evil one who's bringing the whole world down into the pits of hell and destruction with him. That's not where we're headed. Uh, imagine the world's in the lap of the evil one. Like a baby could, in some of your laps, is sitting in your lap right now. And that baby has no choice but to have what you provide, what you do. The world is lying in the lap of the evil one, but we're not there. We've risen with Christ, and we're with Him. Because of that, we don't go down with the devil. We go up with Christ and receive the inheritance uh, that Christ comes to provide us. Um, that changes everything. Uh, let me just share some passages to, to, to see the glory of this. Look at Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Passage given to the Ephesian elders to remind them the dangers ahead. Uh, Acts 20, verse 28 says, Pay careful attention to yourselves, to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer to care for the church of God, which He obtained with His own blood. The flock of God, this, new, this is the flock of God at New Covenant, technically. And the flock of God at New Covenant has been obtained as heirs of Christ by Christ shedding His own blood. Wow, I'm, I'm not just shielded from Satan, I'm secure by the blood of Christ. I have been obtained as one of His I am now from Him and represent Him. Oh, it's great news to be in Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20 says, You were bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. We do what we do to honor Christ now because we've been purchased. We belong to Him. We're His, and that's glorious news. Uh, Galatians chapter 4 Verses 3 through 7. Galatians 4, beginning at verse 3, says, In the same way we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. 
But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because your sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Back in 1 John chapter 5, verse 19, I was struck with the first word, we. Because the person writing this is John himself, the, 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 the one who laid his head on Jesus' chest at the Last Supper. The one close to Christ, the one described as the one he loved, Christ loved. And John says, we, us, we know we're from God. We know we are in his grasp, in his lap, in his hands. We know we are loved. We're secured from Satan because we are loved by Christ. And then he moves on and says, not only that, verse 20, we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. Our minds are no longer darkened. We, we can see things and know things for sure that we didn't used to know. And we looked at some of them in First John. For example, a non-Christian prays, but he doesn't know if he's ever heard. We do. We know when we pray, we're heard, and we know certain prayers that we pray will absolutely be answered because he's already promised that if we pray according to his will, we will find he will do his will and our prayers will be answered. Non-Christian has hope, but they don't really know whether they hope it will come about or not. We have hope that sure we are heirs with Christ, we will surely receive an inheritance, no doubt about it. We have this understanding that the invisible world is ours, along with much more, to inherit in Christ. It's wonderful to be shown sure things. Look at 1 Corinthians. I love this passage. It kind of describes the Christian, non-Christian Difference because of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If you're not familiar with it, let me, let me read a little of it here. 1 Corinthians 2, let's say beginning verse 11. For who knows a person's thoughts? Do you know these things? Who knows? Except the spirit of the person which is in him. So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. So see, it begins to open up for us an understanding of God things. Because God now is in us. The spirit who is from God is within us. That we might, last part of verse 12, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. 
The natural person does not accept. That's the non-Christian. They just don't accept it, don't get it. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person, that's the Christian, judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who is understanding the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Wow. Look over at 2 Corinthians 3, verse 12. 2 Corinthians 3. It says this. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses who would put a veil over his face. So that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted. Because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. How beautiful. How wonderful. We have an understanding, a surety the non-Christian cannot ever hope to gain. You can only get it by turning to the Lord. Have you turned to the Lord? You turn to the Lord. You receive Christ. Christ takes the, the blinders off. So that now you can begin to see the glory of God that you could never see before. Like the blind man who says, once I was blind, but now I, now I see. Wow. I see more than I can describe. And the world doesn't even get it. They don't come close to having the understanding of the believer. Because we have the mind of Christ. We have Christ within us. He gives us His Spirit. He unveils the Scriptures for us so that now when we read the Scriptures, we see it as the very Word of God coming to us and He unpacks it for us so we begin to understand it and we can begin to live it. Whereas the non-Christian opens the Bible and says, you know, I don't get that. Tosses it aside at some point. Don't really understand why, why you folks are so devoted to this book. They don't get it. They don't understand. It's the very words of life. It's the words of our creator and God. It's the words of heaven to earth. It's the divine and errant revelation of God himself. That stands. And gives us a surety. If we have a difficult time discerning things. We go to what we can understand. To the sure word of God. And it enlightens us and helps us to get where we need to go. Because Christ is always true. And he's always leading us. Well, the passage ends up with a little short phrase. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. And a lot of people wonder, why in the world did he end it that way? Well, it's, it, to me, it's not very strange at all. Because the previous verse emphasizes true. Did you see it three times? It says, he has given us understanding, verse 20, so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. In his son, Jesus Christ, he is the true 
God. Strong emphasis on true, true, true. What's an idol? An idol's false. He's given us a little contrast. You know what's true. You have surety in what's true. Stay with that. Keep yourself away from what's false. These false idols. These, you know, idol is more than just a little wooden ornament that you're devoted to. An idol is anything that's false, that's contrary to what's true. An idol is anything that draws our devotion away from the true. And if it draws our devotion away from the true, it's, it's false. It's an idol. And he says, keep yourselves from that. He's saying, don't just sit back and do nothing. You're shielded from sin. You're secured by Satan. You're taught what's true. You've been bought with a price. Don't just sit back and do nothing. Respond by staying away from what you've come out of. All that is false and evil. Stay away and stay with this beautiful life that God has given us in Christ. Um, Stay away from falsely seeking approval of others. That's an idol to many of us. When we're already approved by Christ. That's what's true. Our identity is in Christ. And yet we seek an identity in the approval of others. Little children, no, no, no. Stay away from seeking the approval of others. Stay away from living for comfort. In this world you shall suffer. But we make an idol of what's easy and comfortable. Instead of what's ours in Christ, bearing with the sufferings of Christ and seeing that I'll give up anything to know Him and His sufferings because He's what's true. Little children, you sometimes only run to what's easy and comfortable and you make it your devotion instead of being devoted to Christ. Stay away from worshiping what you can control instead of what is controlled for you by Christ. Stay away from seeking independence when what's true is a dependence on Christ and a loyalty to Him. Stay away from trying to make your own work and your own achievements your measure of success when the works of Christ and His righteousness far outweigh anything we can do. You see how easy it is for us to slide into worldly idolatry that's contrary to Christ and His ways. So I think it's a powerful statement to remember, little children, keep yourselves from idols. If anybody was to ask, what you know good? Say, you know, if if that's the question, could could I answer it? Would you be patient enough to let me 
share with you something that's really good? I'm free from sinning. The world would say, what? Yeah. And I'm no longer in the grip of the evil one. I'm secure from Satan. He attacks, but never knocks me down and out of the hands of my God. And my mind is blown with the majesty and the glory and the beauty of Jesus who has died and purchased me and has promised me what eyes can't see and ears can't hear and minds can't even imagine that awaits me and it's called the glories of heaven. I know something tremendously good so I live my life with the strength he gives me, with the wisdom he gives me to run to Christ and away from what's evil and false. You know, if if a baby was yours and hits the ground because of an explosion, if something terribly blows up and the baby's out of your arms, what do you do? You immediately go to the ground to shield that child. And you secure that child. And you hold that child. And you assure that child with your words and your kisses. They are loved and cared for by you. And I think we, we see that kind of picture in 1 John 5, 18 to the end. God says, I got you. You, you don't have to worry about the explosive things in the world. I've got you. I shield you. I secure you. I love you. Stay away from all of that. And just stay with me. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your truth. For how 1 John ends this book. Reminding us of what's beautiful in ours. And in, in ours in Christ. Thank you, Father, for the freedom you've given us to not practice sin. Thank you for the freedom, the joy you've given us to run and not be looking over our shoulders behind our back at whether or not Satan's going to catch up with us. We thank you that we have your security in you. We have freedom in you. We have truth and understanding in you. Forgive us, Lord, of our sins where we have wandered back thinking the world has something to offer when it does not. Lord, we love you, and we thank you for this time to worship and adore you. In Jesus' name, amen.